Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to our latest episode in our podcast series, Catchphrase Christianity. Um, in this series, for those of you checking out for the first time, we are looking at how God looks like Jesus. And we're building um, this series around a concept from a game show I used to love growing up called Catchphrase, where contestants are required to guess what a catchphrase is that's hidden behind nine squares. And only one of those squares is removed at a time. And obviously it creates quite a challenging game show when they've got to try and guess what a catchphrase is from only seeing what's behind one of those squares. And we sometimes play catchphrase with our view of God. We might only see a part of of what God is like from a bit of the Old Testament or from a, a world event and we then try and infer or make a decision on what God's like based on just seeing that small part and sometimes that view might be correct but oftentimes it creates a bit of an incorrect view of God and a bit of a distorted view of him. Now the good news is that God looks like Jesus and in this podcast series we're looking at how God himself prioritizes the revelation of him and himself in Jesus above that of the Old Testament. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. If you haven't already, please make sure you check out our blog and the other parts of our podcast Um, for today. I'm going to jump in by talking a little bit about my dad. Now, my dad loves his gadgets and technology and it's definitely something that I've inherited from him. However, the problem with liking technology is often expensive and therefore needs careful consideration before you invest what's usually a significant sum of money into the latest smart appliance or speaker or bit of tech that obviously I can't possibly um, live without today and so before I buy anything I always consult my dad about it and he'll often reply usually nine times out of ten with the expression let me do a bit of research on that and get back to you and he will then return um, with a rundown of the pros and the cons of each of the items that fall into the category I'm looking into and we'll talk through what the best option might be and for me I highly value his ability to research to compare um, different views and different reviews of different things Um, and it's obviously no doubt something that's kind of supported by the kind of emergence and surge of so many comparison websites and review websites that you can kind of um, read into now and for me I can often feel quite overwhelmed by the vast amounts of opinion and views out there on the different items and um, so I often will defer to my dad to help me in that process and when I kind of get lost in these kind of mazes of comparison sites or review sites and one leads to the next and leads to the next, it sometimes reminds me of something that I'm sure we all know to be true, that we we, we, we just love to compare uh, as a society, as a people. We just seem, we seem obsessed with it and we always want to find the best deal, want to have the best item or enjoy the best experience. And whether it's comparing car insurance deals or singers on a talent show or even dating profiles on a website and we all want to find what's the best option for me or for us or for our families and whatever it may be and this isn't necessarily something that there's a new thing i think you can jump back over two thousand years ago and you can see um the same kind of thing happening with peter in his experience with jesus on the mount of transfiguration and his kind of what i would call the first comparison site experience of anybody and instead of a talking meerkat or a singing man with a mustache it's actually god who points at the best deal to peter and we kind of pick up this story in matthew 17 And it says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. 
Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us um, make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Now before we dive into what for me is a hugely significant uh, portion of scripture, and the implications are massive for this in the way that we understand God, how we read the Bible, and what it reveals to us about Jesus, I always find it's really crucial to kind of make sure we understand some of the key parts of this and i want to look at two particular aspects just to make sure we have those fixed in our minds before we start to explore this in a bit more detail now the first one is when it mentions the phrase he was transfigured before them now what this is kind of really talking about is that jesus is kind of showing who he is and he is 100 percent god and he is 100 percent man and that is being expressed in this moment more than perhaps it has been done before that that as he's being transfigured or, or goes through what could be called a metamorphosis um he he's showing more of who he has always been and it's a very similar idea than this idea of metamorphosis or transfiguration as what a caterpillar goes to when it when it kind of turns into a butterfly that 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 caterpillar has always been a butterfly it just wasn't revealed until it went into its cocoon and then emerged out of that and in the same kind of way that jesus has always been god but in this moment he almost removed his human cover his his human cocoon for one of a better expression to reveal a little bit more of his godness than perhaps we or or the disciples there had seen before and the second really important thing I think we grasp is that when it mentions and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him, that, that when we talk about Moses and Elijah, we're talking about two people who are incredibly significant in the story of humanity and our Christian faith. And for me, we can't underestimate that. And we kind of perhaps see their significance revealed in the fact that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. And in other words, that these two men represent the old testament and something that peter would have known in this experience he would have realized this is a good jewish boy so now we have those kind of two for me key aspects kind of clarify we can look at what the rest of this means so we have this event here where jesus who is god reveals a bit more of his godness to peter james and john than perhaps they're used to have seen or not not seen before and in essence he's showing that he isn't just an extraordinary human but he's also god and he is then joined by elijah and moses who represent the old testament the law of the prophets and they have this conversation that for me i'd have loved to have been involved in that conversation and know what they talked about but but for now we haven't got time to go in and speculate what what that may have been but we then kind of get left with this similar moment with 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 peter being his normal impulsive self and um because they these guys are his heroes these are the guys that that as a good jewish boy he he would have grown up loving and knowing all about and 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 he's not just seen jesus glowing revealing more of who he is but but he's also seen two of the, the these guys brought back from the dead apparently and it's a little bit like a man united fan who's going to remain nameless for the sake of this podcast potentially meeting eric Cantona. And then as he's meeting Eric Cantona, then Cristiano Ronaldo turns up. And as he's meeting Eric Cantona and Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Scholes turns up. And it's just so much for this, this kind of avid, nameless, Man United fan. 
And in a similar kind of way, perhaps you're not into your football and not into Man United, which I don't quite understand. Um, but it might be like um, in Star Wars, where you get to the end of of um, Return of the Jedi and you have this situation where Yoda, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker are all present together. And they've all come back from the dead and they're, they they kind of appear together. And for those people who, are, who love their stars, it's just, just like a beautiful moment. And I think we kind of then start to get this kind of sense of excitement from Peter. The, 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 this is his moment. So Peter does what Peter does. He acts and decides and he does something. And, and the thing he does is he wants to honour and he wants to kind of uh, revere what's going on. So he says he wants to build three tabernacles or three tents. And the point of what he's saying is that this is a holy moment, a, a holy place. And I want us to remember it. I want us to put a marker down and I want us to be able to come back to this moment and kind of draw on what, what went on here so we don't forget it and take it for granted. And it all sounds good and it sounds proper and it sounds important except for one small thing. And that is that by building three tabernacles, one for Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter's effectively putting all these three on the same level. In other words, he's honouring them and respecting them equally. And to link back to our previous definitions, he's putting the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, on the same level of authority and importance as Jesus. He's basically saying that, that the Old Testament is as able to reveal what God is like as Jesus is or as God is. So by now, we're probably starting to guess that that doesn't sound like too great an idea because who who's better as Douglas Campbell says to reveal God than God himself and so this kind of probably sits there as one of Peter's biggest blunders probably not quite as high as um, persuading Jesus not to go to the cross or it probably doesn't quite get up as high as him denying Jesus three times but it definitely sits in his top three and uh, and it's such a blunder that it actually invites a rebuke from God himself and we have this kind of situation where we've got Moses, Elijah, Jesus and we always want to add another A-list to the, this party in, in, in God from heaven and, and he kind of interrupts this scene and it, and it says this it says whilst he Peter was still speaking behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him and I love the fact that God doesn't even wait for Peter to finish there's no time for etiquette or politeness in this moment it's too serious a matter and we kind of almost catch the seriousness of this thing because during Jesus' time on earth there's only one of the documented moment when God audibly speaks and that is to endorse Jesus after his baptism and just before he starts his ministry in Luke 4. So why does God choose now? Why does he choose this moment to speak audibly again? And I would suggest this because he wants Peter and us to kind of realise that Jesus is the one we listen to above all others. In the moment when Peter tries to put representatives of the Old Testament or put the Old Testament on the same level as Jesus, God chooses to speak and tell us and tell Peter to hear Jesus. That Jesus is the best way to understand what God is like. That he goes even further to emphasise this point when he's, he's showing the fact that that when the disciples open their eyes again and when they kind of almost come down from this roller coaster experience, it says that they saw no one but Jesus only. That Jesus is the climax way of us viewing what God is like. That he is the perfect revelation of what God is like. That God is acting like um, that comparison website, but doing a much better job than a meerkat. Even though a meerkat may offer two for one cinema vouchers, God's coming in and removing all doubt, 
all uncertainty, all need for further comparison or further research by showing us that Jesus is the top of our list of ways to see what he is like. That Jesus is the number one on our search engine. That he is the one that reveals to us what God looks like above everything else. And so what does all of this mean? Does it mean that we don't read the Old Testament? We don't engage with the Old Testament anymore? Not at all. The, the Old Testament is so vital to, to us as Christians that we need to read it. We need to study it. We need to spend time in it because it reveals something of God. But the challenge is that we need to read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. Or in other words, when we look at God in the Old Testament and we see events and moments that, that don't look like Jesus, that we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is the best way to understand what God is like. And therefore, any event or moment that doesn't line up with what Jesus looks like, I need to give it further study and further attention so that I can see the God that's revealed in Jesus perfectly revealed in this interaction in an Old Testament story. The Jews in the Old Testament are not equal in their ability to reveal God. That Jesus stands above all and is the perfect image of what God looks like. And we don't even just need to take my word for it. That God himself tells us to hear him. To hear Jesus above everything else. Above every other way of interpreting what he is like. He said, look, pay attention to Jesus. Because who is better to reveal God than God? Now I, I totally get, and I'm there, that this raises some huge questions and creates some real challenges around certain aspects of our Old Testament narrative. But that's the adventure we get to go on together. That we get, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to get see Jesus and therefore God revealed in the Old Testament scriptures. That we get to, as Jesus said himself, realise that these things speak of him. That we have this amazing walk ahead of us, this journey ahead of us, like the disciples did on the road to Emmaus, where we get Jesus to be talking through with us by his Holy Spirit, what he looks like and how he is revealed in the scriptures. And we get we get to enjoy that that experience together to see what Jesus shows about who God really is. Now I want to take one final thought before we finish. In my last podcast, um, we looked at the fact that Jesus said of himself that he is the one who reveals the Father. He is the one who reveals what God looks like. That when you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And in today's podcast, we're looking at the fact that God himself has pointed to Jesus as the best way to reveal what he looks like. We're starting to see a pattern emerge with this thing. That, we, that we've seen today that God has said, look, hear Jesus. Listen to him. And whilst that is talking about the fact that we listen to Jesus above and we listen to Jesus as our way to interpret what God is like before the Old Testament. It's also a beautiful point for us to pause and hear the first words that Jesus spoke after God audibly said to hear him. And it says this, but Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. What is Jesus saying to us that he's saying, look, I want you to stand tall and not be afraid. I want you to get up and not fear. And in a time when it feels so normal to fear and in a time when we're perhaps getting used to being filled with anxiety and in moments that feel so intense and so hard, Jesus is coming to us and saying, look, do not be afraid. Stand tall and don't be scared. Now, how can that ever be the case, especially in times when things are so troubling? And the reason it can be the case is because when we realise that Jesus reveals what God looks like, it removes fear. 
And it removes that niggling doubt in the back of our minds that maybe, just maybe, God is the God who brought the coronavirus into our lives. Because didn't he bring the plagues into Egypt when he needed to in the Old Testament? And it kind of removes that that worry that kind of sits there that says, God might be letting the devil destroy everything I hold dear right now because didn't he do that to Job when he needed to test Job in the Old Testament? But we know that's not what God's like and we know that's not what God's like because we know that's not what Jesus is like. And whilst that may look like God in the Old Testament, we know that we need to look at that through the lens of Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see not someone who brought a plague on anyone, but instead someone who healed those who were riddled with leprosy. And we don't see anyone who wanted to come in, allow the devil to destroy people's lives. But in the life of Jesus, we see someone who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. We see someone who came and brought life where the devil sought to kill, to steal and to destroy. As we behold Jesus and therefore see what God really looks like, fear melts away and and faith rises in our hearts and, and doubt starts to disappear. And we then start to act and behave like beloved sons and daughters of a loving father. And beloved sons and daughters then who can speak to the mountains of debt, the mountains of poverty, the mountains of plague, the mountains of, of exclusion, the, ma- the mountains that, that surround our society, that surround our economy, that surround all those things and speak to those mountains and tell them to be cast into the sea. Why? Because we know God is for us and not against us. And it's not because I have such amazing faith because Jesus told me the faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. But that faith is secure and solid because I know the God in whom I trust and the God in whom I have faith. So I hope you've really enjoyed this podcast. Please make sure you do check out our blog and our next set of podcasts, including some of the ones we've done already. But before we go, I just want to just pray for us all. And I want to just say, Father, I ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know you better. I pray that we would all have our Emmaus Road experiences, that we would turn to your Holy Scriptures and be led by the Holy Spirit into all truth. I declare that the fear would flee and that doubt would disappear as we gaze into the loving eyes of our loving Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Enjoy your Emmaus Road experiences. All the best. Bye-bye.